is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Hey, thanks for joining us today again. This is a special bonus episode of Church for the Rest of Us with our good friend, Katie Cole, who we always have so much fun with. And uh, she's a member at Family Church, and we just love Katie and her family and everything that she's doing. The way that Katie, the way that God is uh, using is really, really tremendous. And uh, Katie's written a new book called Find Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days. And uh, she's here to tell us about it. And I really am eager to hear about it. I am too, actually. So Katie and I talked about this months ago on a walk. She's like, I'm writing a new book. And she started telling me about it. And it's such a great idea, Katie. And we're so proud of you for everything that you've done and all the ways you've helped me personally and helped so many people in our church. So we just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about this new resource um, that you've put out here. So does that sound good? Well, yeah. Thank you both so much for having me. It's always fun to come and hang out with you guys in any capacity. So talking about my new book is like a double win for me. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So Katie's been such a big help to us at Family Church because as a as a member, she's helped us launch a new campus. She's spoken into our staff and helped us with our team dynamic. And one of the things, Katie, that you really are an expert on is how churches like Family Church and others that are listening to the podcast can help to elevate and accentuate women in our ministries and give them the roles and the opportunities that sometimes, especially in conservative kind of leaning churches, have have not been open. And so we've tried to work hard at that at Family Church. You've helped us with that quite a bit, and we're really grateful. But it's not just about like whip. So the hard part about it is, Katie, is I don't think it's fair to kind of characterize you as like the, the women's leadership person, because I actually think you're an overall leadership person. And you've spoken into my life. You've coached me and uh, our whole team. And so we're really, really grateful for all of that. So before we jump into the book, why don't you catch us up on kind of what you're doing? You've launched a pretty big ministry. This is your second major book, and there's a lot of resources around it. You're doing some consulting. Tell us what, you know, katiecole.com is up to. Well, thank you. Yeah, it is always a joy to work with leaders and especially church leaders. I've been doing full-time ministry for the last 20 years. And the last five years, I've been working a lot with multi-site churches or fast-growing churches on their leadership development systems, their campus launching strategies, and in that process started running into this issue about females in leadership. Now, I am a female who is a leader, uh, but I never really thought I would wave the banner around this topic, mostly because I just was a little too busy leading. <laughs> it didn't really think about it. I care about it, but I didn't dawn on me how important this issue was and how it was holding our churches back from really fulfilling their mission. And as I started working with churches and working uh, particularly with senior and pastor leaders on their growth plans or their development pipelines, we were just seeing this major fall off as women were being trained in leadership. They wouldn't stay in leadership or they wouldn't keep progressing. And like you mentioned, even in conservative churches, I think it's easy to assume that women aren't welcome at the leadership table or that they don't have a voice when the fact is most churches welcome female leaders. They want them to have a voice. We just kind of haven't found our way in how to do that well yet. So the first book I wrote that you mentioned, Developing Female Leaders, really talks about the changes churches can make or individual leaders can make 
to really open up the opportunities for women to focus more on on the opportunities we have for them rather than maybe what we've done in the past, which is talk a lot about what women can't do. Because there's really, it's like a, it's 99% of the leadership roles in most churches are open to women. Uh, there are some in some churches that aren't, but most people aren't called to those 1% roles either. So where are we in terms of really equipping women, helping them find their calling and their giftedness? So for the last three years, I've been working with churches, implementing those plans. Plans, speaking to teams, helping them change their strategies. And we've really seen some incredible movement. I'm really grateful to have been one of the people speaking out about this and trying to help churches think differently. But as I was doing that, I was coming across women who were getting new opportunities or stepping into leadership roles or doors were being opened for them. And to be really honest, they were not enjoying the ride that much. They would take on more responsibilities and it was very stressful. They maybe hadn't had the same kind of training that the guys had had. So they were sitting at this leadership table. Usually they were the only woman there, the first woman there, or at least one of very few. And the stress of that, the pressure of that, most women were internalizing as failure on their part, that they didn't belong there personally. Not that women didn't belong there, but there was probably a better woman out there than them, or that I was having to make big choices between my home responsibilities and my work, and I couldn't do or be as much as everybody else was. And so they were quitting their jobs or taking demotions. And for me, it was just such a shame because in my mind, I'm a, I'm a strategist. I work a lot on training and development systems. That's what my master's degree is in. This is a normal process of including more people in a, in the leadership game. It's a important step as women or any other group sort of begins to take leadership. It is going to be awkward for a while. It is going to feel out of place. You probably haven't received as much training or encouragement or feedback as everybody else, but that's all the more reason to stay in the game. It's not a reason to leave. And it's certainly not always just about you. There's plays in this. And so this book is really my attempt to speak to women and to say, hey, girls, listen, just because you're unsure of yourself or just because it feels like you don't get what everybody else is talking about, that's not a sign to stop. That's actually a sign to lean in. But you probably need to ask different questions. You need to ask different things from your boss. You need to remind yourself of different things. You have to play different tapes than what you've been playing. You probably need to uh, navigate the workday differently or manage your time a little differently or uh, think about being a mom or a wife a little differently than you have been so that you can fulfill all the parts of your calling God's given you, not just the one or two you've known for the last couple decades, but the ones you're being invited into also. So you wrote Developing Female Leaders, and then as that, you you know talked to churches and leaders about that. How did God kind of birth this new idea in your heart? You know, how well, was I think, that? Yeah, the I think as I would, uh, especially when I visited churches or interacted with women online, I would just get asked a lot of questions that would that really let me realize that these women were struggling, that it wasn't all just like, you know, rainbows and unicorns as they stepped into these awesome leadership roles. They were really struggling. So questions about how do I ask my boss for a different schedule at work? Or how do I show up at this retreat where I'm the only woman? How do I do that and not be self-conscious? Or the team I'm on, the guys who are all together, they've been going out to lunch together every Thursday for two years, and I'm never invited. I'm the only person who doesn't get to go. And somehow things get decided there that I'm not a part of. What do I do about that? I don't want to be a complainer. I don't want to be ungrateful for what I've been given, but I also want to do a good job. How do I address that without being misinterpreted, but at the same time, 
getting what I need to do the job I've been asked to do. Well, I appreciate all of that so much, Katie. And, you know, as a senior pastor of a very conservative church, and I'm very conservative personally, even on these issues, but you've really helped me think in a better way, I think a much more healthy way, uh, not just for me, but a more biblical way, and really what's more healthy for our church as as an organization, a total organization, as well as a more healthy way for the women that are involved in our church. And as a husband of a very gifted and talented woman, this has helped me with some certain things there, as well as uh, I'm a father of two very gifted and talented uh, women, and I want them to have every opportunity that God wants them to have. So this has been extremely helpful. Now, if there is a senior pastor listening and they're kind of going, whoa, whoa, what about all this? How, How would you say that pastors, before we, again, before we get into this book, what should a lead pastor do if he says, you know, I think there's something I need to learn here. There's there's a world of opportunity here that I'm I'm missing, but I'm ready to to dip my toe in this pool. How would they start that, and how could you help them? Well, yeah, I think I mean honestly, the book. Not to just uh, kind of shameless plug there. <laughs> Buy the book. Um, the yeah, the developing female leaders book really is full of research about these topics. It's not a personal story about me. It's not really even a narrative of what I think every church should do. I'm really just trying to raise awareness about the issues that most of us are unaware of. And I would say one of my key motivators in writing that book is I was convicted at how many biases I hold against women, including myself, and how I maybe judged people in more stricter ways. I, I have a really distinct memory of working with some interns, some kind of uh, college grads that were interning with our church, and I was overseeing uh, quite a bit of the staff at that time. And I remember looking at this young uh, male leader who was 22, and just like every good like 21, 22-year-old guy who just graduated with his Bible degree, he's, you know, he's all excited. He's really a little cocky. He's kind of got this big ego. He's ready to take on the world. He's got a lot of feedback for me and our senior pastor, and he's pretty sure he can preach better. He's got all these things. And I just remember looking at him and going like, He's kind of adorable. Like, I feel bad for him because I know what God has in store for him over the next 10 years. He's about to be flattened in more ways he, than he can imagine. But I, I had an affinity and a, um, a love for him because I could see what God was going to do with him. And then I had a young female leader who was also in that same group who her immaturity of leadership looked very different. She was a little overly perfectionistic. She was kind of wound up a little bit. She was sort of a little thrown off when we weren't exactly on time or didn't have everything put together. And she just, she came off. It was the same thing. It was uh, leadership immaturity, but it presented totally different in her. And I was a little irritated with that. And I thought she needs to just relax. And I don't know if leadership is actually for her. Right. And then I I remember the Holy Spirit just saying to me, you looked exactly like this at 21. (laughs) So even for someone who was this, I didn't see myself in her. I had grown up leading male leaders and being around male leaders and growing up with male leaders. And so my tolerance for immaturity had just been groomed to accept that and even be excited for him, but I had very little tolerance for young female leadership. And so even those kinds of awarenesses uh, can really help shape the way we encourage people in their calling, the way we craft our organizations and churches to nurture people, making sure we're giving opportunities to all uh, leaders, people with gifts of leadership, 
uh, whatever those gifts are, knowing that they have a future in the kingdom and it's our job to nurture and steward those gifts as long as God has them under our spiritual care. And it just expands our view. And so that would be the thing I would really encourage pastors to take a look at is that we all know we have biases, right? I think if anything from the last couple of years that we've experienced in this country around the racial reckoning is that we all have biases we are unaware of. We lead organizations that have biases that we would you know, be completely embarrassed if that actually got exposed. We may not even be aware of it, but we know that we have it because we're human and we're broken and the gospel tells us this. And so the more we can lean in and just begin the journey of educating ourselves, asking some quick questions, I really encourage pastors to, in as humble and open a way possible, ask some of the female leaders in your church, what's it like to be a female leader here? And I would say, don't go to your staff people. Please don't go to just your wife. I'm talking about women who are leading. They've got careers. They own businesses. They're on the school board. They're moving, grooving, and they haven't really found their way in investing all of their leadership with you. Why is that? Most Christians who have great leadership want to be used in big ways by their church, but very few women are. I would ask the question, what is it like to be a female leader here to serve under my leadership to show up here every week. What are the messages that we're doing great? What are the things that maybe we're not doing great that we're unaware of? How can we get better for people like you? I think that's so, so, so helpful. Now, as a result of all of that, you have had increased opportunities to interact with church staffs and pastors all over the country, and they've asked you a lot of questions. And I think those are the interactions that kind of led to this next project that we're talking about finding your uh, leadership voice in 90 days. And I think it's a really, uh, there's there's some things I'd love to unpack about the title, but what were the kinds of questions that pastors asked you or that female leaders asked you specifically that led to you doing this pretty big and important project? So one of the things that I heard a lot from pastors was women who were turning down opportunities. So they did the hard work of really clarifying their theology, getting their team on board to welcome more women onto their into staff roles. Uh, some of them went so even as far as to really tweak their theology and give it some clarity. And so we saw a lot of these changes. And then as they offered women roles or titles that maybe were new in their organization, most women backed away from it. Some went for it, but most backed away from it. And part of that is the kind of women that most churches promote aren't brand new. They're not, you know, 21 or 19 and ready for anything. These are women in their, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s who are faithful, who are godly, who have been serving in the church and under leadership. They're the trusted, wise leaders of the church. And these are women who come from a background, though, where their leadership was often not recognized, definitely not affirmed. Uh, oftentimes questioned if they were overstepping or doing something they shouldn't do. And so most of us at this age and season of life, we bring with us into these leadership roles sort of our own hesitations because of what we've been a part of or been told either directly or indirectly over the years. And it's a new experience for us to step in and really lead the way a leader needs to lead. When you lead, you have to be confident. You have to know what you're doing. You kind of have to fake it till you make it sometimes. And most women who've grown up in church and have been developed in church ministries, especially if it's a gender-based women's ministry, tends to be a lot of emphasis on uh, authenticity, on confession, on holding back, on deferring to other people. And so we bring that training in with us, and it really doesn't do well when you're trying to lead. Women can be oversharers of their experiences or emotions when really you just need a decision. 
They can sometimes shoot themselves in the foot by coming to their boss because they had one little trip up in their leadership and they're, they're so bound up in perfectionism. They need to confess it when really that's just, so you had one bad meeting, then you fix it the next time or you solve the problem and you move on. That's a normal part of leading in the day in and day out. But for women who aren't used to this, they were sort of over analyzing and reading too much into just the normal daily life of a leader. And so a lot of what I was seeing from bosses is telling me how they're like, I've got this person and I gave her the job and I gave her the promotion and I gave her the raise and I gave her the team and she's in my office once a week like, I don't know if this is for me or it just feels like I'm really messing up. And they're like, I don't know how else to build her confidence. I've given her all the things I would give someone to let them know I believe in them, but she still doesn't believe in herself and I don't know what else to do to help her. Then on the flip side, I was in these like ladies luncheons or all the women on staff would get together (laughs) and I'd talk about how we need to own our own development and how we need to show up at the table and be prepared and how we can, you know, speak with authority and all of these things that are kind of skill-based qualities that many women don't realize they need in order to carry a leadership capacity. And they would ask me kind of the same question or kind of the same topic their boss was asking me, but it was phrased differently, right? They were like, I just, I just still have a problem with feeling self-conscious or I, I'm in a meeting and then I spend the next six hours analyzing it. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm ruminating in what I said and what I did. And if I looked at that person wrong and I just thought, oh my gosh, if I felt like that every time I led something, I would quit too. That sounds miserable. No one wants to be in that. And so uh, I could just tell we were missing. And really to me, it's the leftover cost of sort of these gender specific roles where inadvertently we told women that they didn't belong or that they didn't have gifts or that they weren't welcome or they didn't have something to offer. And we need to undo some of that. And we're the first generation to really help women move into these roles. I'm a part of the first generation of women who have college degrees and careers and have empty nests with still 20 or 30 years left to give in ministry. Like this is a really important time. And I think we've never seen the church really at a crossroads where we need more faithful, you know, long in the faith leaders than we do now. And so we can't let an entire generation of women go just because we've kind of messed up for the last 30 years. We have to confront it. We as women need to step into the roles God's given us and find our faith and courage in another way than we have before. I think there's a great future for us, but it is a little clunky right now. And so I'm trying to address the pieces I'm seeing that aren't that we don't quite have together yet. So tell us about the new book, Katie. How does the new book address some of these issues? So find your leadership voice in 90 days. So it's all very intentional. You guys know me. I'm a very intentional person. (laughs) And... Um, I do come, <laughs> I do come from a background of training and development. And so this really to me isn't like a one hour seminar or read a book with 12 chapters and you binge it over a weekend on Audible hoping it'll fix your life. We're really talking about renewing our mind. It's Romans 12. It's saying, I've got some things that are in the way I look at the world and the way I look at myself that are not actually based on truth. And I need to rewrite that for myself. And so for me, this is really trying to talk to women directly and saying, first of all, I absolutely get it. I've had some experiences and some people and some opportunities where I had to battle this early in my leadership, but I did find the breakthrough and that breakthrough changed everything for me. And 
I wish I had learned it even earlier. I think, I think I'm still kind of putting the final pieces together of it. So I certainly don't have it figured out, but I know it's possible to get over that hump and kind of break through to the other side where you can spend less and less time analyzing yourself and more and more time moving ministry forward. And that's really what we want. So the 90 days is on purpose. It takes about 21 days to form a new habit, but it takes 90 days to create a new mindset. And so it's a small little leadership reading every single day that really tries to rework the mindset. Now, as you go into this, if you're leading at all, there are some of these things you're going to be like, I already know this. I already know that. I've learned this 15 years ago. That's wonderful. But I can guarantee you there are things in here that you didn't think about yet or that you haven't learned yet. And those are the chapters that are going to be the most meaningful. And so a daily reading every day. And then we also have like a video curriculum. If you wanted to gather a few other female leaders together, these are my top eight leadership teachings I teach to pastors all over America. So senior pastors and executive pastors, I do a lot of mentoring groups and cohorts with them. These are my leadership lessons I teach in those rooms because many of us as women, we've grown up in a lot of skill sets in the church, but we often haven't been taught those harder leadership lessons. How do you scale a team? How do you grow a team? How do you manage your time differently? How do you do home work-life balance? How do you negotiate for yourself and for your department? These are sort of the harder skill sets of leadership that most women who have been in ministry a long time have not learned about or maybe have been scared of doing them in a too aggressive manner that they'll be shut down by their culture. And so I spend a lot of time talking about the difference between being passive or aggressive or assertive and trying to give a real viewpoint of what godly, healthy, assertive leadership looks like and how as women, it is the right thing for us to step into that. And we should do it. We can do it scared, but we still have to do it with confidence because that's what leadership is. All right, so, so I'm a lead pastor, Katie. We have a lot of women on our team. Like, is this the kind of thing where I like, hey, girls, I want all of you to read this book. Or is this something that I lead? Do we put a group together? Like, how would I as a lead pastor make this resource available and useful for our team? Absolutely. Well, anytime you can buy resources for women, you are adding value to them and letting them know you believe in them and you see something bigger and more for them in the future. You're investing in them. So it is designed that. It's a book and this video curriculum is a great way to sponsor that. And there's some information on my website. Uh, We've got a little pastor bundle if you wanted to buy it and sponsor it for every person on your team. And we try to make it affordable and easy button is what we call it, the easy button pastor (laughs) bundle. Katie loves um, our easy button, by the way. I do love easy buttons. So if you're looking for a great way even to just get the ball moving or try to, you know, speak into women and you're not quite sure what to do, this is a really great way to get started. And then I think some of the practices I talk about in the book and things, Pastor Jimmy, I feel like you've really done a great job at, especially the last few years, are doing things like making sure you're celebrating the female leaders on your team, making that a part of it, making sure that you're preaching about the women of the Bible, not just sticking to the guys that we all know and love so much, but making sure you're having a good mix of men and women from the Bible that we learn positive lessons from. There's more than just moms and prostitutes in the Bible. It was amazing to me when I first learned that. I read through the Bible for, you know, in a year when I was in college and I was like, there's so many women in here. I had no idea. So those are the kind of practices you can really do. And then for your female staff, and I would really encourage you to for your volunteer leaders, because most of your future staff people are volunteers right now. And uh, if you can help women find each other, women leaders find each other and really build into their leadership that helps them at work and in ministry, you're going to really see a, a continual harvest of that effort, I believe, for years to come. Yeah, I'm so grateful for that because you you kind of pushed me in that direction. Say, hey, why don't you just when you're preaching these texts, why don't you make a bigger deal out of the women that are in the text instead of kind of like just just glossing over them or going by them? 
And it's amazing because so so just a few weeks ago, we've been preaching through the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, 17, 18. There's all these women that are listed in there. Some of them are prominently listed, but some of them are just kind of, there's a little descriptor. And so when I was preaching through that, I just did like a little three minute thing. I said, hey, just just as an aside, let me, let me just make sure that everybody sees this because you got, you know, Lydia and then you got this, this, this. And I was pointing them all out. I said, they're all right here in these couple chapters. And it's easy in a couple of places. It even talks about in Paul's ministry when he went to these different cities all of these women became Christians. And it, it points that out multiple times in just a few chapters. Well, I just did this three-minute talk about it. I probably had five women after church go, oh my gosh, that was awesome. Uh, thank you for pointing this out. I don't know that I've ever heard a preacher point that out before. And I was like, wow, <laughs> what, what a crummy job we've been doing because it's right <laughs> there. It's not only in the text, it's actually a feature of this yeah. section of Scripture. And so I really appreciate you pushing us on that. And Katie, wh- one more thing. So you do all of these different resources. Are you still doing consulting with churches if they wanted to work with you in that capacity? I am, yes. So if you're trying to move the needle on this topic, definitely reach out to me. I do a variety of ways we can do that. So I can zoom into your staff meeting. I can meet with your executive team. I can come on site. All of those are great options, depending on what fits your culture and where you're at with the topic. And, and then you also do uh, some life planning and that kind of thing. That's another thing that a lot of leaders have, have benefited from. And you've even helped some members of my own personal family with that. It's been tremendously helpful. So could you talk just a little bit about that before we sign off here? Sure. That's part of my coaching practice. Um, so a life plan is a two-day, uh, basically a strategic retreat for your life. And so what I really love about life planning is it looks at your life holistically. We look at every part, your ministry calling, your family, your own personal health, your own spiritual life, your extended family, the role you play in the community, and pull all of those together so that you're not compartmentalizing your life where you're succeeding in one area, but struggling in another. It really looks at our calling uh, in that way. And so I love that. It's my favorite favorite thing that I do. And a lot of my coaching clients start off with a life plan and then and we do ongoing coaching, kind of following up, making sure we're implementing that plan correctly and really living fully that abundant life that God has for us. I think so many times it feels like we have to trade off so many things, but God has a great order for us. He loves to sort of breathe life into us and give us vision, but also vision that we can live out and enjoy our daily life with him. Amen. Leslie, do you have a final word? Because you're one of the you're one of the key female yes. leaders in our entire organization. I wonder if you just have kind of a response or any way that you want to kind of wrap this interview up. I mean, I just want to thank Katie for her personal influence on my life and for using your gifts uh, to serve so many people and how greatly you've impacted us on our team here. And I want to make sure people know that it's K-A-D-I, Katie, C-O-L-E, Katie Cole. We'll have that in the show notes. But Katie, I guess I just would say thank you for your work that you do that benefits so many people, not just women. But would you say that mostly this book is really written for women? Like It is. Yeah. I did designate it really for women. I've had a lot of guys read it who said it was excellent and they really learned a lot. So <laughs> sure. anyone's welcome to read it. Right. Uh, but I was trying to really give a voice to women from a women's kind of perspective. Well, you can find more about Katie and her ministry and the things that she can do to help you and your church at www.katiecole.com. I'd love for you to check that out. You can follow her on all the various social media platforms. Hey, I really do appreciate everybody listening to Church for the Rest of Us today. Feel free to leave a rating or make a comment. That would help people find us and uh, help get our message out there as well. 
And also, uh, for all of our listeners, we'd love to meet you in person on February the 10th, right here in West Palm Beach. We're having our church for the rest of us one day conference. It is affordable. It is accessible. There are no green rooms. We want to meet you. We want to hang out with you. We want to learn from you and hear your story and what God is doing in your church. And we'd love for best practices to bubble up everywhere. And we can share those practices together. Register today, churchfortherestofus.com. Hey, we're going to take a little break. Now for our podcast, but we will be back in several weeks with more excellent content to help you lead your church forward with the resources that you have right now. I'm Jimmy Scroggins signing off. Leslie Bennett, Katie Cole, Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.